0: Oh, well, a landslide bring it down. Oh, oh a landslide bring it down.
1: Hi, everyone. Good afternoon. This is Silvana Avila Alonso, and I am uh, a guest host here with Consuelo Marquez she is la abuelita con opiniones the grandma with opinions so i just want to thank her she is on her way and as you all know it's a rainy day today and we're finally um, had the opportunity to experience winter and i am so happy about that god i was like getting worried that we were going to have summer all winter long but anyway here we are I don't know, uh, you can see me. I'm all covered up with long sleeves, with my pretty velour. And um, I can tell you that I wore it one time last year because it just gets hot. And But today it's perfect. So here we are. Hola a todos. Bienvenidos al, um, <clears throat> al programa La Abuelita con Opiniones. Yo soy Silvana Ávila Alonso y soy la invitada de Consuelo Márquez y ella ya viene en camino. Como saben, hoy es un día frío con lluvia y gracias a Dios que es un día de invierno porque ya me daba preocupaciones que el el calor iba a seguir con. Hace días estuvimos más caliente que normal, pero y por eso uno piensa, oh my god, ¿qué está pasando? Gracias a Dios, um, ya tenemos el frío, ya nos llegó. Y bueno, ahora voy a hablar un poco de, eh, estamos esperando al invitado que llame. Uh, um, ya son las 2.13, le pidi que llamara a las 2.10, después de las dos Ojalá que nos llame. Él se llama Brian Larney y Brian es un buen amigo. Trabajamos en las artes en promoviendo la cultura y Brian Larney es um, miembro de no sé el tribu, pero es un uh, Native American um, de, de los Estados Unidos. Y el trabaja promoviendo Native American culture, history, and heritage. La herencia de los uh, indígenas de los Estados Unidos. Bueno, y uh, estamos esperando que llame. We are here waiting on um, our guest, invited guest, Brian Larney. He is a member of the Native American um, coalition and his I'm not sure what he does professionally. I think it's in the arts and programming, um, computer programming and maybe software, but we'll find out once he calls in. He's messaging me right now. Okay, he, um, he says he's calling. Do you have him? Yes. Okay. Hello, Brian.
2: Hi Savannah. thank you for uh welcoming me and um thank you for the introduction.
1: Oh, thanks. Uh, I'm glad you heard. Uh let me um I am so nervous right now because I I'm running out of power on my phone and I did bring a few notes, but let me turn to that page. Um we we'll tell us a little I want to ask you first our uh, host is on her way. Uh as you know, it's, okay. we're under the, the the rainy weather right now, but she is on her way, and, and you'll get to meet her in a few minutes. Her name is Consuelo Marquez. For right now, but why don't you uh, share with us um, a little bit about yourself? I didn't prepare an introduction to your, to um, who you are, and I know you as a very active person in our community, but yeah, share with us a little bit about Brian Larney.
2: Okay, Tell um, Sengo, I am um, Brian Larnie, Executive Director for American Indian Heritage Day in Texas, and also Indian Citizens Against Racial Exploitation. Um full-blood American Indian. I am Seminole in Choctaw, and um, so with the platform that I'm able to use, and I'm always humbled because, um, you know, because with Savannah and my mom being connected through the Independent School District, that we all, we're able to connect with. Her husband, Robert Alonso, and he's the one that actually gave us the strength and power to go through the legislature to actually have an American Indian Heritage Day, which is civic law. So we've been going on it for 10 years. So I also want to say thank you both for your contribution to make sure that we have a platform for American Indians in Texas. And so that's the first part. Um, So what we've been doing lately is really fighting against... um, Fight against the racist stereotypes and prejudice, and it's something that you know that when you try to look for education, that it, it that it really um, you know you have to go against the grind. You have to know what education is, know how it's being erased. You also know what the right perception is of history. But also the lives of history of truth, and I think those are the elements of what we look for. But you know, the reason why we have our heritage day, but also able to talk because it it gives a platform for the future to be able to share their stories, but also give homage to our ancestors. So that that's the main component. But it's always cultural preservation and education.
1: So uh, thank you for reminding me because I hadn't thought of, um, you know, how I met Peggy years ago, 20 years ago or more, through the our work at Dallas ISD. She was heading mm-hmm. the uh, American Indian um, program for the district, and I was head of the migrant program at Dallas ISD as well. But I had, you know, growing up as a Chicana, growing up watching tv you know that's the information that i received um, the non-education i received of an american uh, indian person of course it was cowboys and indians remember Um i don't know your uh-huh. age but we used to watch tv on the weekends and We actually thought, and that was a very popular game. We used to play, um, us against, you know, the other uh, children. We used to split up and we'd play um, cowboys and Indians. And um, so it was about shooting each other and killing each other. We were little. yeah, And and we actually thought that, uh, of course, someone had to be the Indian. Someone had to be the cowboy. And that's what our game was about. And... We actually, well, I'll speak for myself. I actually thought the Indians were the bad guy. And that's how I saw uh, the perception I saw on TV. And, and actually to go even further, uh, the insult is that we grew up without knowing our own heritage, our own history. Well, we knew that we were Mexican Americans, but you know, um, at school, which was 90% of our education, we actually didn't know we were native as well, part native. And uh, so um, going back full circle, thank you so much. Um, How important is education and uh, the American Indian Heritage Day? How it is still very important to work against those stereotypes and prejudices because it's very embarrassing to me now that I grew up until 20 years ago not thinking about the implications it has when you continue hurting people, uh, stereotyping them, not, not giving them their respect, the education that we deserve. So thank you so much for your work. I am, um, yeah. tell us a little bit about um, the other work you do in, um, cause I see you at the art functions and you know, we we get funded um, for Cinco de Mayo. We get funded for Hispanic Heritage Month and I do get uh, people that tell me, well, we're, I, I received a message and it said, you are not Hispanic and i said i know i'm a chicana but i i'm celebrating hispanic heritage and i truly believe that well our heritage is spanish we speak spanish we're christian we are we eat spanish foods and on and on and on so it is a heritage and uh it you know those were our colonizers people to the south in north america were colonized by the spanish and the southwest and people to the north were colonized by the englishmen right um and 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 even even further than that the atrocities that co- were committed against our people but anyway um so that's how i know you always like um at meetings trying to continue to promote education and the arts so tell us about your work in that arena.
2: I think you said it best when you're talking about how they put um, you know, the simplest games against us. And you said the right way, it's us against them. And that's not really just a um, part of coincidence. That's trained patterns. Uh, and that's the way people that, look at that lens, through that lens of just having the games they're like what's wrong with this you know there's nothing matter we just having the games children's games the hardest part is knowing that it's marketing that it's a systematic approach and that what it does it like you said it does put that stereotype where we are the ones that you want to kill and the other part is that for me I've always been American Indian when I do fight and I try harder to win because I'm American Indian and you know and be watching all those old westerns you try to change history. And so those perspectives is why I fight harder on that on, on that situation. But I think that's the part that leads in that everything is, you know, in a directive approach that it's education of the right way. And as far as what you're saying about me being able to, um, you know, to support all relatives is that, you know, that I, I, I – enjoy going to other um latin events and i think that's the beauty where i can um make sure that in within our dallas community that i can support at the same time is that um same time is that i can actually um start looking at that lens that how do you break down not not the ignorance or bird vision but how do you start um how do you start um just basically being able to shake an American Indian's hand. How do I learn from the other side of where I start looking where I can begin to start interjecting, but as well as myself, is that you're always educating yourself with other nations, and I think the simplest part is just attending or being there. And so that part is where, I, you know, I, I enjoy going to your events because I get to show support as well as them asking me about the American Indian culture and the preservation that I can extend my for when I have my vets. And in that mode, I think that becomes a beautiful relationship because it's an alliance to make sure that we are parallel with our cultures. We all have the same relationships. We have all the same training from our ancestors. And because we're parallel, it's easier to make sure the mixture is not very um, black and white, but it's fluid. And I think those are the beginning standpoints of how to make sure unification happens because everything we're doing is the same and I think our ancestors really taught us the same etiquette, mannerism, our history but also make sure that we preserve for our next generation and so I think those are the parts where it should be automatic that we learn from everybody and make sure that we eliminate all the stereotypes because if we become segregated, then we don't ne- ne- we never have a chance to love for ourselves. And I think that's the motivation to make sure that equity and equality for everybody is not just worse, but it shows it's by example, us uh, seeing each other, us learning but at the same time is that sometimes we just need to be there side by side because I think that makes a difference. And I think everything we do is for the ancestors. So I, I enjoy Seeing the um, future generation running around, but also want to make sure we honor our ancestors, and all the um, grandparents and great great grandparents, to make sure that pers- cultural preservation is being, ex- being extended. The other part of our cultural heritage is being pushed forward. That all the hard work they sacrificed, going through different parts of history, good or bad, that is still being preserved for the next generation. But I think that's the hardest part because a lot of people forget about the atrocities that have happened for people to take for granted of what their lifestyle is and only look at the history books of what was back then and what was back then isn't that far far long ago, and I think those are the keys of celebration, but also um you know preservation is very paramount in the educational perspective
1: the preservation. I love that word because, you know, part of what the um, Mexican Americans, Chicanos and other, um, and all Hispanic Latin Americans face every day is um, what they call the movement to recover. The movement to recover that I became aware was about 20 years ago when i started hearing recovering our um our history recovering our um literature and so forth and so on and i thought recover and and really i was i was raised um in a small town in very humble beginnings and you know our my upbringing was very um i guess uh, sheltered is the word that i like to use my parents our parents sheltered us and and i think that they were raised that way as well but at the same time when when i started hearing recover i thought i knew about the chicano movement where we were fighting for social justice civil rights and i saw i saw that very differently than when you actually say recovering our history, recovering our literature, our language, our customs. So I was, I embraced that. So thank you so much for telling us why we need to do this. Consuelo Marquez is here now and um, you've been hearing us on on your phone. So basically, uh, I'm just going to add this. When you say that we have to be present and it brings me to the thought of we have to be at the table, because if we isolate and it it's we shelter ourselves to the point where we're not communicating and interacting, then you know it it's not our fault at all. I'm just saying that we have to be like you, Brian, be there, fight <coughs> and and speak up and and add so much. The next thing I wanna go into after we speak with Consuelo is if you can share with us um what you do as a design ethicist. And that's a big word and I had to look it up, I'll admit I'll admit it. But here's Consuelo. Um go ahead. Oh okay. Well um Consuelo Marquez is here. I'm her guest host and I'm really very happy to be your guest host. It's it brought back a lot of memories of 20, almost 20 years ago when I had my own online show. And I was here at Fishbowl in 2015, I believe. 2012, 2015. So um, as a design ethicist, I'll give you the uh, definition I found on the internet. You evaluate moral implications of design decisions and takes the responsibility as an ethicist for the effect those decisions you make have on the world at large. Can you give us a specific example of a decision that you've heard of or, but more importantly, a decision you have made as an ethicist, a design ethicist and the effects that you saw, what it had on the community or society. But let's start off with um, you being a design, Ethicist, did I hit the target on <laughs> the What is it called? <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, anyway, okay. Um, go ahead, Brian. Tell us about what you do. I,
2: um, back then, when we were, I was, you know, doing the professional circus as an American Indian artist nationwide, we go to different um, events or different art shows, and um, so work, and it was already Sunday morning, and we were, I was with other mass artists and I was just beginning and someone asked me, what do you think about this topic? And I said, well, it doesn't matter. It's not, it's not, it doesn't fit me. I got my ideas, but it's not, you know, you didn't, you didn't, at that stage, I didn't, I thought I didn't have that voice as as an artist. I did art only, but would you extend to? And the lady told me, well, you're going to have to have an idea. You're not, you're an artist. That means you're an activist you have to make a stand or you have to start doing art work to that and people look up to you because you're an artist that you have to make a profound statement that either supports or goes against an issue and from that part that's always left an impression on me so moving forward is that because of the emphasis that i i i look at art not through the lens of what other artists do because I don't see anything that's pretty. I look at it, I look at all the artwork, it's cultural preservation, it's storytelling, it's to share the regalia, it's to look at historical facts, it's to look at how our sports is, how our songs, our culture, but everything we, everything I try to do, I look at it as sacred heirlooms because when I talk to the people who collect my artwork to the art world, is that they buy it for their household they buy for their second house or they buy it for a family member where they can put it on top of their um, fireplace and have it as a mantle, as your centerpiece. Mm -hmm. For me, that's very special because you get to actually, you it have an icebreaker of culture because a lot of people do come in. Either they know, they, they haven't seen my work, but they know about the subject matter. And I think that's the beauty part because When you look at it, they get it or they don't get it. And I've heard people tell me, where did you get that piece at? And tell the other people. And they're like, well, we got it from over here. I didn't know you were, you know, five civilized tribes. I didn't know, you know, it's a very regional location or specific. I didn't know you knew about Steve Bonner. like, yeah. I didn't know you about the Trail of Tears, which is history. That you start, you actually teach without teaching. And I think that's the extended voice because it's, it's extort historical heirlooms that are sacred. And so that's why I call them sacred heirlooms because hopefully that aligns that we pass on to the next generation. They'll still carry the same stories. And, you know, that even when you think something is um, extinct, that you have the picture and it's like, oh, yeah, I remember playing that. Oh, yeah, they play over here you know, and um, in another state, and I think that's the beauty that, of the idea, that this is a cultural preservation still being passed on, but even with the um, ethicist tagline is that you always have to fight for authenticity. You have to fight for historical accuracy. You have to make sure that you as an artist, you make sure every little detail is done by a time period, the issue, color spectrums or even having, it, even if you weren't looking at historical history, artifacts or even this artists from the way back and you have to make sure what is romanticized and what is accurate because a lot of American art that you see is by Europeans who glamorize the picture and added stuff that you would know now that they're different coming from different tribes, different regions. And I think that's the part where You have to make sure it's done right and make sure Uh that even when you represent the tribes that you're reaching into the sovereign nations and make sure you do everything the right way where their citizens of the sovereign nation can look at it and say, yeah, that's the way our people do it now. And the same time is that you're trying to bring in pride because you're trying to eliminate all the stereotypical racist mascots that you see from different sports because marketing Uh has taught them to rely on that as their pride and in their identity where I'm trying to reach back and steal out my art and different other um, different other pieces that they can wear it, they can see it, they can buy it, but also that it can be an inspiration. But sometimes that when you look at the simple part is that for my work, I wish I could say it's beauty, but it, I don't look at it in the first perspective. I'm like. How can I preserve culture? What issues can I tackle? If as an activist, then what am I standing for? Or the other part is that, am I protecting Mother Earth in my artwork? Am I trying to produce different values where forms can be brought up to have speak engagements? Or do we make sure that what we're doing as the role of preserving the next generation, What what can we do to fight for our people's identity to make sure that we are not, Extinct, or we're not. Oh, I didn't know y'all were still around, and I think that's the part where ethicist design really comes into play because if you're in, if you're American Americanian art, you already know that artists, you already know that everything's been locked up in museums and galleries, that you don't have anything, and they don't feel like they should be the artwork because privilege tells, tells them that we can protect your areas better than you can, and it's better over here. And mm-hmm. so you, it, when you have to pay for to see your own artwork, that's not the right way. And so there's a lot of parts and ethicists to know about activists as an, as an artist and that know that what you can do is, is that you're being taught by ancestors' family to make sure that your work transcends, but at the same time, and the last part is that you try to do everything the right way for the next generation see.
1: Well, thank you for that. Very informative explanation of what you do and the importance of what you do. Wow. That is amazing. Thank you so much for that. Um I wasn't sure I know of your work, but I can say, Brian, we haven't really like sat down and had coffee or sat down and had a, a dinner. So, um, you know, but I do know of your work. You are very highly respected. And um I I I'm so happy that, you know, you agreed to speak with us and explain things
3: and especially of your very um of is your this, work. Is this like the Native American? Okay. Um but what group is he? Um he's a Seminole and Choctaw. Seminole and Choctaw.
1: Uh, Consuelo's asking me about your tribe tribal
3: um ancestors. Oh, yeah. And um, what area are the Seminoles from?
2: Um, Seminoles are actually in the historical part. We're actually from Georgia though, our our original tribe are Creeks. And so they're from Alabama area. And then because of the Indian Relocation Act, we got removed from President Andrew Jackson down to Florida. And during that time, we weren't a, really a tribe yet. We were a collaboration of different tribes together, but they named our people down there because we were breakaway from the creeks. And so we were, red, we were known as Red Sticks so and we were the warriors. And um, we're the ones that fought all the time. And so we joined up with other tribes down in Florida. And then from there, the Trail of Tears happened because that law that they, that act they put against to remove us remove is that we moved down to Florida because it was Spanish Florida back then. And that's actually, right. the reason why they removed this is because we were helping out slaves to, be, to escape and help them escape from the plantation. So because of the American Indian uh, movement down there being warlike and then also helping out the slavery for freedom, and even I found out that part of the 1619 project that they had, that that's how they removed us. From Spanish Florida, bought Spanish Florida to be to be another state to, to the United States, but then removed us to Oklahoma. So you have in that tier of um, that timeline is that so they took you, you from termed,
3: Florida and they moved you to Oklahoma? Said, yeah,
2: but, you know, first, yeah, but before that, we escaped from. Um, the tyranny of President Andrew Jackson out of Georgia, Alabama. So that's why we moved into Spanish, Florida, because of the rules. And so, you know, that's the history. So even then, I have to make sure to understand the legacy, but also teach because not not everything, I wish everything was simple, but it's not. (laughs)
3: No, it's not. And that's why it's so interesting. And that's why I ask these questions because, Everybody had a beginning somewhere, right? We all did. Right. But it's interesting how everyone was moved around um, in the, of course, because of their rights being taken and everything else, and they were just moved to different. It's like the the ones in uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, that's interesting too, uh, you know, because there's so many different um, tribes and people aren't aware of it. And that's why yeah. I was asking that it's because mostly, mostly here we hear Choctaw because of Star, you know, or the, yeah. the casinos, you know, that are close by. Yeah. But it's very interesting. That's why I mentioned the Seminole. And then, of course, the group that's in North Dakota and South Dakota, what are they called? Do you um, look
2: well, look they're, they're they're called they're uh, they're called as also, but um, their former name would be the There's different yeah, um, they're is, more of the planes up there. But going back to what you said earlier, that I wish we could say we were removed. They were they were probably trying to um, you know, commit genocide on us, and uh, and because we survived, doing away with the right peace, uh, peace treaties to remove us to different areas. Right. But then again you find out in history that, that not one peace treaty was ever respected and honored. And so they never kept their word against us. Right. But, yeah, we were all, you said removed, but I always, I always think that's just a legacy of genocide or a historical thread of why all our people, and you know, even the Latin communities, that there's so much trauma because of what's going on. Right. And I think that's a hurtful memories of history, and you can see it through the eyes of your great-grandparents or even through how people move to get to wherever location you're at. But I think that's the beauty, to make sure that you stand proudful, because you're honoring them out of respect and, and your identity, but also your pride.
3: Yeah, it's because, and, and look at the Grand Canyon, I mean, you know the Grand Canyon, they moved the, They moved them in there and said this is your land because they figured it was hard for them to really survive and everything like that. And now mm-hmm. look at what they've gained and now they're wanting to take it back. They want to figure out a way where they can get it back because it's um, beautiful and everyone goes there and everything like that. So it's just interesting, you know, that. I have also tell them that
2: it's tough that you know I always tell people I say what if i said what if we were just as bad as the economic perspective of today what if we drained all the oil out we stripped all the mountains for coal and different other natural resources weapons you saw none but smoke and we and we cut down all the trees would you want to stay on this plan mm-hmm. and i tell I that if we were just as ruthless just I, mean, I get some of the earth on this land today, I, said, I don't think no one would ever come and stay here. I think they would go back home to England or wherever they came from, or Europe. Right. I said, but I go, that's the beauty of what our, our ancestors taught us, to make sure we become water and land protectors. And that's the part where we still fight for, Amer- for American Indian and also global issues, because that's just the way it's taught. That's the way our prophecies. That's where our prayers are on the desolate. We've been told that you see that there our ceremonies and our cultural preservation of traditions. But, you know, that's what there's, some there's, people
0: there's,
2: don't there's understand for.
3: because you have the pipeline going right through burial grounds, you know. and True. And, True. and things like that that are really devastating. I mean, it's like, let's say, putting a pipeline in the the DFW cemetery where all the servicemen are you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you know, so that's what's so wrong that sometimes people don't understand that uh, you have people that have been buried there and everything, so it's sacred la- land to you, you know. So,
2: yeah. and the other, the other is that there, there's those pipelines underneath the lake and they leak, and so even though we're fighting for American Indians, if if the oil leaked into those lakes, I said it would affect everybody, not just American Indians. So we're fighting for everybody.
3: Right, and that's what's so, and we do so much harm already to the environment that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's so sad. Now we just don't even want to stand up and change our TV. We want to make sure the batteries work on the TV changer. And I mean, we've gotten so that. We don't
2: want to, you know. Convenience. Yeah. I'm getting. I I always say, flip it around. I always hear, like, you know, Savannah was speaking. I think that's the beauty of the dialect. Also, our beauty is in the food, and it ties into a culture. So, no matter how bad everything is, I think people can become stronger because they unite through different similarities that everybody, you know, like a lot of things. Well, different ethnicities can get together because of the same dialect that you can have Hispanic Heritage Month and still be prideful and be able to celebrate. I think those are the keys. And now, what I always try to say is that if you understand our culture and preservation, everybody, then I think that's beauty. But, you know, we're not the only ones. American aren't the only ones fighting. We fight side by side with everybody else. So right. a lot more people are listening and they're doing their part. So it's not just only us. Because you know we we do lead and we do do the things I but it's a human 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 humanitarian fight, not just American Indian fight.
3: Right, and that's why history has so much information that sometimes people don't uh, even look at it. You know, because they figure it's not a part of their life, so why even look? But you know, it's like you're saying with the food and the and the. Other things people look at, oh yeah, I want to try this or whatever, but they don't really look at where it all began also and how it got to that point.
2: Um, yeah, and that's the other part. We fight for our land and I, I, we tell them all our stories about fighting for this land, but uh, you know, even jumping together, to the other side in Hispanic, I said, I always like listening to the stories when they go back home and they remember the waterfalls, they remember the um, mountains, they remember the ranches, they, they remember Different parts of the areas of the regions, and i like, I remember this when I was little. I I know when the rain, whatever side of the rain comes from, and you know, a lot of people, we we everybody through the American dream, they try to work hard, but they forget the simplest, simplistic, you know, memories of where where the land is, and I think that's the hardest part. Is that there's beauty, like you said, where you come from, and I think those are parts where. You can smell that air, you can smell the trees, the fruits, the vegetables, Mm -hmm. or plant life, or even just the smell off the water. And and you're like, this is home, you know, and um, this is your, this is your origin of our people. And I think that's the beauty of um, making sure that we add in land to our cultural perspective.
3: And also the different types of jewelry, the, you know, where they come from, the different areas that they come from and everything, you know. So that's very interesting too cuz you just don't call them all um you know a certain name Your they, all have, they all all different mm-hmm. cuz they come from different minds and everything you know um yeah and i think that's very interesting the color the 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 place where it comes from and everything and i'm like wow you know it's interesting and you have to know the different colors and textures of it. So, uh, you know, because I'm always looking at jewelry too. You know, it's fascinating, and uh, and how you bring it.
2: Yeah, and um, I think we have similar factors because even for me to learn what turquoise is to our people, but also with your people after you know, I know the strength of a jade is, and I think those are just. Elemental pieces that are icons of our people, from because those because uh, those stones come from the land. But also they hear about their meaning and why and the power behind it, oh. and the reason why people have different um, paddle ships oh, because of the ownership of the jade. I think that and also the turquoise. I think those are significant reasons to make sure that even in the simplest part of that, if you, you learn on where it comes from and how they're made. But I think that's the representation we show. No matter what, it's our identity, wherever you see it
3: at. Right. Well, maybe one, one, uh, whenever you have time, you can come into our show and actually um, uh, be one of our guests. Let us know when you're available. But it's very interesting, especially right now during this month. And uh, you can even bring some of your paintings or artifacts or something. And show them and that would be very interesting to everyone um well, we have- to be i
2: appreciate
3: it okay just let silvana thank you know. so
1: much thank you so much brian um, my regards to peggy larney and uh-huh. yes uh, i'll be following up with a call and uh, because we'd like to you know follow up every monday for the rest of the month or even beyond with continued talks
3: about like Consuelo's and your he, art, and if he likes would like to bring them in, you can bring them in and show them, and you know on our Facebook page that would be amazing. So just let Silvana okay. know we have another call coming in, but we really appreciate it. It's very interesting. Thank you
2: for the time. Thank you for the time, and I appreciate everything. Okay. And y'all have a great day.
3: You okay, too. You too. Thank, Thank you. you.
1: We have a, a caller that is uh, waiting. He's going to give us a recap on the election. Oh, okay. And um, the election results and, you know, his opinion on the results and what happened, who won. And I think in terms of um, the Senate, CNN has called it for the Democrats. Democrats. And I think uh, they were very cautious, but they were calling the rep- the U- U.S. representatives' races or uh, ma- my majority for the Democrats <laughs> as well. Please call. Very 7. cautiously. <laughs> uh, can you text Roberto? He's
3: I'm out of there. power. He's on there. Isn't he on there? No.
4: What's the last
3: four digits of the number? Uh God, I don't know.
4: 0461?
1: of his number? No. Seven four two nine. Seven four two nine. Yes. Okay. Call. Well, um we did invite Roberto Representative Roberto Alonso because he is well, I think he's the smartest man on earth. <laughs> in terms of politics he reads every day uh-huh. all the newspapers
3: and that's interesting um, i like to
1: read everything like that he keeps up with uh, the numbers the the political strategies and and are you there roberto no please call no he got busy well, um oh let's call the other number. It's um do you have his number? Seven s- seven, seven, nine? Yes, that number. Please.
0: please. No, straight
1: well, okay, well let's continue. What do you think of uh, the election results in Texas?
3: No, in Texas it was sad, but you know what? That's part of it, and, you know, you're not going to win all the time. But I think that Beto did a good job, an excellent job. I think a lot of the people... On? Are, Hello?
4: Yeah, this is Roberto Alonso.
3: <clears throat> Hi, Roberto.
1: Consuelo's here, and she's going to take on...
3: Well, that, I mean, can you give us uh, a recap on the elections last week yes, ma- yes ma'am
4: um the the recap is this um there was a lot of talk that uh the democrats were gonna lose because um people were all upset about inflation and the economy in the end nationwide the democrats won the senate again and right now they're competitive in the house. And the reason that the Democrats are doing so good as opposed to many years before is because the Democrats were able to work in a bipartisan way to work on climate, to work on guns. after what happened in Uvalde, Texas, nationwide it had an impact in being able to come together with some bipartisan legislation uh, on guns. In addition, they, uh, where you had to pay 700 a month for, uh, insulin, now the most you have to pay is $35.
3: is not that amazing? And all we
4: have, Monday?
3: Isn't that amazing? That's
4: amazing? Yes, ma'am. And, and part of what we have to do is just let the people know, uh, two things, uh, the positive things that, from my perspective, Democrats do. And, and the other thing is that we must stop fighting and be angry against each other and work together. I can tell you, having been a state rep for 20 years, I was able to do a lot. We would go through elections, and I mainly had to fight Democrats, not Republicans. But in the end, after the the elections are over, you got to figure out how, and there is a way to figure out how to work together to make things done. Uh, It's a state representative with... um, Republicans being in office, I was able to get scholarships, a Center for American Studies at UT Arlington, uh, getting, uh, $7.5 billion for pensions for teachers, $7.5 billion, uh, pension for state employees. Uh, I, I was one of the lead, uh, leaders in helping the police and firefighters of Dallas preserve their $2 billion pension. Uh, and, you know, one of the things I always like to talk is, um, Mention is that, you know, if someone was to ask me how much do you know donate to the food bank and people normally say like 2,000 or 5,000 or 10,000 and I saw it's more like, I say no, it's more like 600 million to a billion because in working together with Republicans that since they ran the legislature, I, I recommended that they change language instead of doing community service they can donate to the food bank so every time you know like in the movie it's a wonderful life every time you hear uh, a bell that means an angel gets his wings well every time uh somebody gets food bank for community service because roberto rang the bell oh
1: well congratulations roberto well um so your take on this is that and it it kind of reminds me what Brian Larney said previously in his call and interview was that we have to be present and we have to be at the table and, and if we're not there then we, if I, we isolate and just um, don't work together in a bipartisan way as you mentioned. That we're not going to get as much done as we want to, so um, thanks for reiterating that. It's it's
3: that's my take on 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 I think, this. I think too, Roberto. Don't you feel that with this new generation that 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 was voting this time around and everything? If you look at the whole the whole thing, it, it wasn't just. I mean, Abbott and Beto, okay, Beto lost and Abbott won. Okay, so, but in the whole area, everything in the country, wouldn't you agree that a lot of the youth were trying to say that the deniers and the the ugliness and everything, uh, they're tired of it, it has to end. Um, you know, they, they know that we have fair um, elections and that they don't want to see another coup. Uh, so if you look at it, that's what the, they want peace. They want people to work together. They want to be able to see our government actually do something uh, with what they, they need instead of fighting among themselves. And I think that that's what the word that they were trying to put out there, that they were tired of all the, um, the, the hate that they put out there all the you know it was just ugly it was ugly Mm. and that and a lot of people were tired even their ads were so ugly and everything because they thought that by putting all of that out there it was gonna uh make them win and everything just like the last you know the last election but i think people are tired of it and they just want to be able to trust their government and make sure that they're working together and trying to uh, bring people together again instead of always trying to separate them. What do you think?
4: Well, first I'll tell you real quick. Uh, As far as it's not just being in the table, it's who you put to be at the table. So we have to know what we're doing when we get there. Because you can be there and not know what to do and that. So it's it's really important. Yes, I agree with what you're saying, but part of what happened in Texas was we did not respond to that ugliness. Uh, so that's it, what happens when you vote, you vote for and against and not vote. So that created, but in spite of that, if you look at the border, uh, counties, uh, in, in the analysis in some of the newspapers, you'll see that Beto beat, uh, uh, Abbott 60 to 40 percent. I
3: know. But the
4: part, but the part that we didn't do, and we didn't do nothing, was in the rural counties. I, I heard from the chairman of Zavala <laughs> County, my hometown, Crystal City. Uh-huh. I heard from the people of Valde. Our Democrats didn't do nothing. So the other part is we have to respond to the ugliness in a positive way that we want to work together. But then, in the areas we don't want to do nothing, and I accept the challenge of doing something about it.
3: Right.
1: And well, we to- good, Roberto. We need a strong leader like you, and um, and I always say Roberto's very well versed, very well informed, and he actually calls people all over Texas, leaders, and talks to them and gets their take on what's happening. So uh thank you for that. Um I did hear all everything you just said, I heard it even in the national news. I heard that one of the big um things that the Democrats didn't do, especially beton in certain areas, was respond. Respond to the ugliness. Um they did point out um you know, gun um gun control and, and other very um important issues but it was the those character um attacks that they were they came on really strong against yeah. not only beto but uh rochelle garza and um in the rural counties when they said we did nothing do you think that because they are um lower income counties they don't have big you know um enterprises or e- e- econ- economic um affluence that maybe they needed um to be supported financially by the Democratic National Committee what do you think So about real quick that?
4: real quick we have the money we have the money just who gets the but money we spent yes. the democrats spent a lot of money in Dallas spent a lot of money know, in Houston We spent a lot of money in San Antonio and the valley and we can do it in the, in the rural we counties as well. We can do it,
1: but we didn't do it. That's the point.
4: We, we Yeah, and, and I Let's encourage that. learn this. from this. We didn't do it, so I accept the challenge to do something about okay. it. Okay,
1: thank you so much for accepting the challenge. That and sounds like um, <laughs> someone's interested in something.
3: And then what do you <laughs> think? She's going to put you to work. Uh, yes. <laughs> what do you think of McCarthy? Um, do you think that they're going to um, allow him to be. Um, oh, what do you call it? Oh,
4: the, speaker. The the, the, speaker. the leader for the Repo- I don't think they're going to do that. I hope not. And they're not going to they're, they're allow McConnell to be the leader for the Republicans. What happens is the majority of the Republicans in the Senate are Trumpsters. The majority in their House are Trumpsters. So that's who's going to be the leaders. But what's going to have to happen, the minority of the Republicans of the Senate and the House are going to have to start thinking what's not good for Trump, but what is good for the United States of America. Just like you said, the coup, when they went into the Capitol, we need to work with the Republicans that are willing to work with us.
1: Before we hang up, uh, finish the show, can I just say something? My um, regards to President Biden... And um, you know, he has done a lot. The vote from the youth was big and um, the exit polls showed that they were inter. they voted Democrat because of the loan forgiveness, because of uh, the Democrats work on uh, climate change. And I think that um, President Biden needs to be recognized for
3: that and yeah. and they are and, they're very interested in the climate change the youth of today. Yes, very And edgy. as
1: a former legislative first lady of district 104, I give Biden my
3: 100%. percent
2: mm-hmm. Thank you, good. Mr.
1: President.
3: And uh Roletto, so we're gonna have to hope that they don't put McCarthy on there because uh I don't think that he deserves to be up there after January sixth. And uh, you know, they're having um on CNN or somewhere they're having Pence and he's talking about January sixth and uh what? It's, yeah, he's uh Pence. Vice oh, President Pence, Pence, and they're asking he's, him questions. They're gonna, he's going to yeah, be, he's anyway gonna be on CNN. Yeah, CNN, CNN tonight. And it's going, I'm, I'm really interested in listening to that. And I don't know if he's going to run for president, but um, he might might be thinking of running for well, president. He, but
1: people are already speaking out against him. So.
3: Well, you have to look at it. He was a vice president, and if he knew all of this was happening, he should have moved faster. You know, that's what happens. But I, if um, I hope that everything works out, and I hope that we have a good Senate and a good ne- Democratic, I mean uh, House and everything, and people can work together because that's the only way that we're going to make changes for the youth of, of tomorrow. You know, and we have to um, work as, um, as together like what like it used to be. And I hope the, the Republicans of yesterday will come back out and not let these new Republicans of today run the, the, uh, the GOP because that's pretty sad. So Very. Yeah, so let's ask God to take care of our country. So Amen. Thank you for the invite. Thank you. Okay. you for- You're more than welcome anytime. I know you. I'm going have, to have go. I know because you have a lot of time on your hands. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, Roberto. Thanks for taking the time, taking our call. Okay, Roberto. Bye-bye.
3: I think he hung up before yeah. I said that. But poor guy. He's always running here and there. Brenda. Yes. So that was a good... Is, is our show over? Oh, okay. You already hung up? Oh, mm-hmm yeah okay, well, yeah, we're like, huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think we had a, a beautiful show, yeah, I did too. with Mr. Brian Larney and uh, the design ethicist that uh-huh. I had to look up and his work as a um a person that makes those decisions of what is um not cor- appropriate. What is wrong the things to say that's wrong and um and also Representative Roberto Alonso yeah. who um is one of the most informed persons. I you had a wonderful show. Yeah, Rondo. I
3: thought it was nice. No, you did. Great. No, we did. So <laughs> I think that it came out really good and I hope we have some more people. Uh, calling in about the uh, American, uh, na- the Native American, because it is uh, Native American month.
1: Yes, and Native National Native American Heritage Month.
3: Good. So
1: um, and they're doing wonderful work.
3: Right. And here we're getting close to Thanksgiving. And every day we really need to give thanks for everything that we have. And... Um, Look at uh, Ukraine, uh, you know, they were celebrating that finally they got their one part of their their state back and um, they're, you know, hopefully all of that will end soon for them. But we have <sighs> to pray for the whole world that we all find peace <sighs> and uh, peace within ourselves also, because sometimes our lives are like, ooh, all over the place. But all we can do is pray and hope that things get better. Uh, So God bless everyone, and uh, hope to see you next week. So thank you, Silvana. That was amazing. Thank you. It was awesome.
0: To my love Took it down I Climbed a mountain And I turned around And I saw My reflection In snow-covered hills Till the landslide Brought me down Oh, mirror in the sky What is love? Can not child In my heart, rise above. Can I sail through the changing ocean tides? Can I hand the seasons of